sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Hour number two, as my man, the candle burner and the spitting statistician, break down everything we saw from the NFC, from the AFC, a big time week seven, and what I am calling identity week in the NFL. To be quite honest, we got a Monday night football game up to close this week, which I think fits into the identity week theme as well. But we'll get to that a little bit later on. Kev, I was saying there's one more submission in the NFC that I have for you. And it's the New Orleans Saints, Kev. You know, there are some people who at the beginning of the year think that the Saints, you know, should have been the favorite in this NFC. I believe they were the favorite in the NFC at the start of the season, Mm -hmm. okay? People have been a little bit concerned with Drew Brees. We know Michael Thomas now missed his, like, fifth game in a row, whether it's a hamstring, an ankle, or fight night at practice. It doesn't matter. The Saints, though, get the division win against a 500 team in Carolina who has not shown to be kind of a dumpster fire or a slouch like we expected yeah. out of them. And listen, Drew Brees, 287 yards, two touchdowns. He does his patented reach over the goal line for another one. There was a whole mess of Alvin Kamara in this one, but then Drew Brees spreading it around. Callaway gets into the box score, 8 for 75. He hits, you know, everyone from Harris to Smith to Cook. They get it done. And where do you see the Saints now in this pecking order? Because they haven't been as impressed. But I believe unlike some other teams, there's legitimate reasons to think they could get better once Michael Thomas gets back in. They get Manny Sanders off the COVID list and their defense, who was giving up 30 points a game, may start to get healthy and better as well. It seems like there's still room for improvement for the Saints, even though they maybe are not impressing as much as people thought. They still stand there at four and two. They are what their record says they are. Yeah, and I'm glad Carolina deserves their credit. The top eight, they would be in that next little group with the Lions, probably. So that's not like a walkover opponent for the Saints. In division, should be a tough game. I'm worried about the Michael Thomas thing. It it might be a disaster year for him. They also Mm. lost Manny Sanders. So I give them credit for being able to still put up 27 points. It wasn't Alvin Kamara's best day. Drew Brees looking better maybe as the season goes on. Can this team start to piece together the defense? Uh, And I'll, again, we're going to talk about the Monday Nighter. It's Rams Bears. Bears next week play the Saints. I believe they host the Saints. So. We The Bears pretty much are going to unlock a lot of answers, I think, for us as it pertains to this NFC picture. Because if the Bears lose both games, like, all right, you're done. But if the Rams or the Saints, right, drop those games, like, ugh. Because I-, I agree with you. I think the Saints would be my fourth team, Dane. Okay. But if they lose to a Bears team next week, right, I feel like we would drop them down and we would hold that against them. I like the win for New Orleans, but they have to keep rolling. That's a home game off a bye. I need to see the momentum keep going up. Week 9, they see Antonio Brown's debut in Tampa Hmm. Bay. Hmm. 
That is pretty interesting. Remember, they already played week one, and it was a kind of back-and-forth game in the 30s, and now we will be seeing the rematch. I find it hysterical, though, Kev, that you're on some, like, it wasn't Alvin Kamara's best day when he has 22 touches for 148 scrimmage yards. Am I wrong? you say that, no, that's the thing. And when you say that, I don't really (laughs) bat an eye. I just find it funny. We talk about the level of expectation. That people yeah. have, right? And the fact that the expectations have gotten there for Alvin Kamara, I think, tells the, sta- the tale. As we big shout out to all of our radio affiliates from around the country, including the mightier 1090. Thanks for waking up early with us. You know, as I talk more about the NFC and where these guys are, the contenders, the tiers, we've talked about pretty much all the rest of them. And now we got to talk about the NFC East game that happened yesterday with Dallas and Washington. Listen, most people, conventional wisdom was that Dallas was going to get right offensively. Andy Dalton with another week under center, all the weapons that they had. Zeke wouldn't fumble twice more. They would certainly be able to put up enough points to boat race the Washington football team. They put up three. And then I'm sorry to our great producer, Venmo Bryan, get used to the name Danucci, because it's going to be likely Danucci under center in a huge divisional matchup in prime time next week against the Philadelphia Eagles. Talk to me about this one. And honestly, Kev, which side of this game deserves to be talked about first? Great question. Uh, Washington, here's why. Eh, it's, it's all equal. I don't mean to be this guy. I hate being this guy. But you're going to do it anyway. Oh, I basically put on a master class this week about how to handle the NFC East futures market. Where was the value? Washington, Washington and Philly. Philly went from plus 140 to minus 165. Washington went from 12 to 1 to plus 460. Right? Dallas is down to 350. Can you believe the people said the Giants were the value? What is wrong with all of you? That's on you people. Not my guy Dane. Dane knew. He said no, the bottom. Dane knew not to do that. But you know who you are. <laughs> Giants are the value. Washington. Let me ask you something. Go- okay, go ahead. Go for go it. Ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, the funny part is, right oh, now. Oh, I know. They're still in the up, mix. Oh, Whatever. Right? They're still I get it. I get back. it. I know. They play Tampa on, on Monday night. Any division. Any division sure. that has nine games Fine. left. A team that's one Fine. game back. I'm not trying to. It's, I'm a Jets fan. I know. I'm not a Giants fan. I know. You know what I, mean? I know. I know. I know. It's such I a get dumpster fire. I get it. I get it. But like, Still. but like, they're so horrible. It's insane. Okay, I, quickly. I'm not going to advocate that the team is good. Washington, ready? Bye week. Giants at Lions. Bengals. A three week window off the bye to make some noise. Ben DiNucci probably starts next week. Oh no. For Dallas. Oh makes no! The best meatballs. We'll talk about it when we come back. More games to discuss on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips, 24/7, as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering: real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line. We're talking about all these teams in the NFC, and we were just talking about the Dallas-Washington game. Like, Kev, 
This division, I know, you know, listen, the division is horrible. We're going to laugh. Only the division winner will probably get in. They may get in at like literally six, nine and one or something around there. But, you know, what do these teams do? Because, listen, Washington went to Kyle Allen. Remember what Ron Rivera's rationale was for going away from Dwayne Haskins? He was like, we're in the mix. We're going to go for it. Kyle Allen gives us the best chance to win, right? So, like, now all these teams still, unfortunately, have a chance to win. What do you think this looks like moving forward? Is this just the Eagles get a little bit healthier and healthier and ultimately are the class? Okay, so the problem with the Eagles getting healthier, which is uh, I've said now countless times, they keep getting more injured as each game ends, right? right. So Johnson like I just go right back out. Like I, I can't say that anymore because it's apparently not true. With that being said, the reality for these other teams, if you're Dallas, if you're Washington, right? Like you're two and five. Any assets you're trading, you're like, yeah, maybe you win the division, right? You're simultaneously, if you're not giving up top seven draft picks, and even if it's not a first-round pick, but still a second or third top seven pick is valuable. Dallas has the whole Dak thing weighing over them. You made a move for Dalton to be good. I don't think he's going to be cleared for next week, which is a huge blow because next week is one of the most important games on their schedule playing the Philadelphia Eagles who now have a little bit of extra rest and again Ben DiNucci not many snaps but in those snaps didn't look like he belonged on the field Washington you know what Ron you think Kyle Allen's your guy you win a football game with Kyle Allen go go like do it with him I you I can't be moving on like, he's probably super pumped. He thinks Kyle Allen's got the juice here. So, we'll see, man. We'll see. I still just can't believe the way Dallas was unable to move the football in this game. I yeah. I said I liked Washington because of the ability to put some pressure on Dalton. But, like, three points against that defense? Oh, my gosh. Well, listen, some of it was with Danucci under center, but it was not good not to a start lot of off it. with. No, I know, but it was not good to start off with either. I got caught by this game. I thought the Dallas offense was going to kind of get right. And this division is still wide open, we will see. Because literally any division matchup, right, can completely shake this, right? You talk about yeah. Philly, right? If and we could, we don't have to get into it, right? We'll talk about no, it. I get what you're if Dallas does beat Philly, then yeah. what happens to these division odds? They go to first right? place. It's still wild. It's still absolutely wild. And one other point I will mention, not that I necessarily expect it, the NFL trade deadline is coming up soon as well, right? So there may be some guys on the move, whether it is, you know, to support this kind of need. We've heard some names be bantied about, like A.J. Green potentially, and there might be a trade here or there. It doesn't happen a lot in the NFL like it does in the NBA or Major League Baseball with the trade deadline, but something to keep an eye out for when you're thinking about futures bets, when you're also thinking about fantasy. There will be some moving pieces in the next couple of weeks. Kev, I want to move to another game, another team that I thought showed an identity or actually showed another part of their identity, and it's the Cleveland Browns, Kev, who had an interesting game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, in this one, um, I have been saying that the Browns need to get up early to be able to enforce their will. They're able to run, and then they're able to do Baker, play action, things of that nature. 
They were down in this game, Kev. They were down Odell Beckham in this game, who got banged out early, right? But I got to tell you something. With no Nick Chubb, with no Odell Beckham, and with the pressure on this man, with the narrative starting to get away from Baker, Baker goes out and has an efficient, Kev, 22 of 28 and moves the Cleveland Browns to get into the end zone with five touchdown passes. Him and Joe Burrow were battling back and forth, and Cleveland is supposed to be driven by their run game, yet Baker is what kept them in and ultimately overtook them. The Browns get a win 37-34, and don't look now, but the Cleveland Browns are 5-2. and two. Cincinnati, two weeks in a row, been just what the doctor ordered for a couple of AFC contenders. They showed Phillip Rivers he could come back. They just showed Baker. Baker, by the way, started this game 0 for 5 with a pick. He did. He did. 22. I have Baker in fantasy, right, as a QB2 in a lot of places, right? And I'm Mm -hmm. looking at my wife, literally, because we have him as our QB2 on a team together, Mm -hmm. Kyla Murray, Baker Mayfield. And we're looking, and it's like, uh, Baker has minus two points, fantasy. Then by the end of the game, Baker had 30 points in fantasy. Yeah. Uh, he was 22 of 23 for 297 yards and five touchdowns uh, after that 0 for 5 and interception start. And that was without Odell Beckham Jr. Unfortunately, that's the other big story, though, here. Odell's probably done for the season. I know Odell's a divisive figure. I personally like Odell. I lean towards Odell. I typically find myself defending Odell. No matter where you land on that conversation, uh, this man has been snake-bitten for a little while now. Uh, This is one of the most impressive talents the league had to offer. And this is another year cut short by injury uh, on a play where he was trying to, you know, get back in the mix and stop a guy from returning an interception for a potential touchdown. Uh, It's it's really, really disheartening to see him leave the game that way. Uh, But... Again, that's a win that the Browns can use to try and really catapult themselves. Uh, A sneaky big game next week against the Vegas Raiders. Yeah. Do you buy that the Browns occupy that second tier with teams like the Raiders, with teams like the Colts, with teams like the Buffalo Bills? And then if so, what do you think their fortunes are now that, you know, Odell's going for the MRI, you are pessimistic about what it is. But regardless, right, he's going to miss some time. They still are without Mm -hmm. Nick Chubb. Baker is still banged up. Jarvis Landry is still banged up. Austin Hooper wasn't there, which allows the kid Bryant to have a career day in his rookie season. Tell me about the outlook for Cleveland vis-a-vis what is a tight second tier in the AFC. I think for Cleveland, you want to be able to parlay the fact that you have the defensive player of the year into being a shutdown defense. Miles Garrett is just unstoppable through the first yeah. seven weeks of this season. He's been beaten. And they need to be able to start to slow teams down uh, a little bit more. Although, I'm not saying it was an easy task on the other side. It's taken seven weeks for Joe Burrow. I, one five and one be damned. This kid's the real deal. He got good weapons, okay? And I remember you and I specifically could not understand how they thought they could make a luxury pick in T. Higgins to start the second right. round. Well, guess what? That dude's a baller. They've given their guy weapons. I know it is eating him alive that these are not turning into wins because they have now been on the wrong side of some real tough beats in consecutive weeks, ended up with a tie. His team could quietly be in the mix more than we're discussing if a couple of things go left instead of going right. Uh, But Joe Burrow, man, really, really impressed seven weeks in. 
All right, fair enough. Hey, Kev, everything you just said, the rookie belongs. They probably deserve more wins than they have. They've got the weapons around there, right? It's tough yeah. losses for the kid, but you got to feel good if you have Joe Burrow. Cool. Yeah. Take all that and just change the name Joe Burrow to Justin mm-hmm. Herbert and change the Cincinnati mm-hmm. Bengals to the Los Angeles Chargers. And can't you, Kev, say the same exact thing? Because Justin Herbert finally gets his W, not facing a Hall of Fame quarterback for the first time. And he looks good again, 347 yards, four touchdowns, showing that he can do stuff with his legs as well. And if you think that the Bengals have found their franchise, well, then so have the Chargers, right, Kev? 100%. The dude looks awesome uh, and bounced back here. This team was up 16 nothing, and then they were down 21-16. Yeah. And yeah. they were also down 29-22. A great job by him putting the stamp half, on this game. I was happy they yeah, that was got a, it. Yeah. A preposterous cover. The whole game was crazy. I yeah. do want to mention on the other side of the ball, the Jags, yeah. we entered that game we heard early morning. Okay, Gardner Minshew might be benched if he played poorly. The first two or three yeah. drives, he was 0 for 3. He responded. He did what he could, man. This defense is as bad as we all thought it was going to be. He's not going to be able to hold on to this job because their draft pick is going to be too high. Gardner Minshew, though, should stick around this league for a little bit. He can play enough. Yeah, I agree. That week one one win against Indy, though, really changed the fortunes. I'm going to channel my inner Denny Green. The Jaguars, they are who we thought they were. More on the other side of the break here on the Underly Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line. Of course, big shout out to our radio audience, all the affiliates from around the country, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh, breaking down what we saw in week seven. We got to talk about the end of week seven as well, which will happen tonight on Monday Night Football. But there's one more game for us to talk about here that happened last week. And the Detroit Lions went in and played the Atlanta Falcons. Kev, I, listen, it was funny. When Atlanta blew the 28-3 to lead in the Super Bowl, right? But now, mm. Kev, we are seven weeks in, okay? The Atlanta Falcons are 1-6. and six. And Kevin, you know how when you watch the game, they put up like that win probability thing in the bottom right-hand corner sometimes? Yeah. Well, Kev, <laughs> they had that crazy loss in the comeback fashion against the Cowboys, right? The first crazy Mm -hmm. one with the watermelon kick, the onside kick, all that stuff, right? Then they get beat when your boy Nick Foles comes in and leads a ridiculous comeback. And the narrative in that one was like, oh, back-to-back weeks when they had a 98% win probability and ultimately lost. Well, in this one, the same thing happened. And I can't put this on Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, if you didn't see it, uh, with time running out, the the Falcons down by one. He does that whole thing where he's supposed to fall down, and then they could run out the clock, take a game-winning field goal. He literally, you can see the gears in his head turning. He realizes it, tries to fall down on the one-yard line, 
But ultimately, mm. the ball crosses the plane. He scores. Helps me because I have shares of him in fantasy. So I like the extra mm. points and the touchdown. But then, yes, Matt Stafford and the Detroit Lions can go all the way downfield, hitting TJ Hawkinson, hitting Kenny Galladay, and then ultimately win the game. And again, the Falcons lose a game that they had at one point a 98% win probability to do so. I mean, it's almost a joke now, but what do you take from these two also-ran teams in the NFC? So Falcons fans... Detroit is more than that. uh, We can talk about Detroit, but here's the thing for Falcons fans. First of all, reach out to Penn State fans, and you guys can talk about how important it is to not score a touchdown, uh, because Penn State did the exact same thing. The kid realized at the last second he shouldn't run into the end zone. It's unfortunate. At the end of the day, Get a stop. Get a stop, okay? And the defenses could not do that. The nature to which this team has lost these games, it is genuinely now worth asking, though, should this be blown up? I mean, this team could easily be 4-3 and and just be in the mix maybe, right? So I don't know what the heck to make of this group. Um, And now that doesn't – no, like they're done – they're done. They're not making the playoffs or anything like that. No. But when this team is picking 12th because they've started to figure it out and win too many games at the end. Right, they go 5-11. and 11, I, right? Like, we've had Matt Ryan Julio rumors. Uh, like, what? They, yeah. They're just, they're yeah. all over the map. I don't know who the coaching hire is going to be. I don't know how much longer you trust Matt Ryan. I don't know if Julio is going to want to stick around. Job? Would you want this job, Kev? I think so. I think so. Because I have competent enough quarterback play in Matt Ryan with good skill positions. And I believe I get to see that out and then draft a guy. Hopefully that is what would be offered to me as the head coach. That's interesting. Uh, I I think that's why it's attractive. That's interesting. That same exact thing, right? You have these guys and then you get to rebuild. I, I don't know that I agree with that timeline. I, you know, many coaches or managers, depending on the sport, say that to handle the end of a franchise guy is really hard mm. to do. Right, it's really hard to do. Yeah. Think about the manager that had to manage the end of Derek Jeter with the Yankees, or to have to figure out when to pull the plug on Drew Brees that it's not good enough anymore. And whoever that next man, uh, head coach of the Falcons are, they're gonna, I believe, have to at some point in their tenure have to make a very tough decision on Matt Ryan, a very tough decision on Julio Jones. It's not like Todd Gurley mm-hmm. is young either, right? So I almost think that it might be better for a new guy to come in after the blood is on someone else's hands, you know? And so the idea on if the Atlanta Falcons blow this up, we've heard Matt Ryan rumors. We've heard Julio Jones rumors. And I wonder Mm -hmm. if it might be better for a new head coach to have that all have been taken care of already. They're moving in as part of the fresh start, as opposed to having to be the guy who ended the Matt Ryan era in Atlanta. That's going to be a tough situation to manage for the next year or two. I can't argue with that. The only thing I could say is maybe, though, that coach won't have to end the Matt Ryan era with you know bloody hands because maybe there's some meat on the bone here, right? That's the kind of counter. Like, again, they could easily. Okay. They should be four and three, right? And with good coaching, maybe they're five and two, right? So, like, okay. 
that's why there still could be some attraction to the job. I I just think that's okay. look. We'll see. There's going to be a lot of job openings this year. I don't. You know, right. I'm not going to pull us into it. I'll just tell you this right now. I think Dallas job is going to be open this year. Mike McCarthy hates his players, and his players hate him. Like, there's too much stuff coming out now. He was furious that they didn't try and fight the guy Bostic after he laid a dirty hit on Dalton. We heard last week they think he's the dumbest coach in the league. All of his players, right. like They're that thing's a mess. Jobs. Like so, now you've got a Dallas job opening, potentially the first overall yeah, pick, the awesome. second overall pick. Like, there's going to be a lot of valuable jobs out there. That's what's tough for Atlanta, is they're not right. going to be the sexiest name in the hat. They're still in purgatory. Just quickly, yeah. Just quickly on Detroit, this team might be all right. I laughed a lot at people who said this team would be good. Ultimately, I feel like I win that battle because I said you're betting on Matt Patricia. If their coach was anybody right. else, they're probably a team with only one loss to their name. Um, but I don't know. Maybe they're turning some things around here. Three and three. You're 500. You know, what What can they do? Maybe. Stafford, that's a lot of momentum. They, they play the Colts, but they're hosting them. It is off a bye. The, hey, hey, look, let's just say they handle Indianapolis. At the Vikings, home versus Washington. At the Panthers, home versus the Texans. That's a four-game window. Pick them at Carolina, favored in the rest of them. I don't know, Minnesota, at maybe. But, like, all winnable games, their next five. They're not going to go 5-0, but could this team creep into the mix? Maybe. I doubt it because Patricia's still the yeah. head coach. But just, yeah. you know, again, the Lions, not dead through six or seven weeks. Fair enough. Like, you mentioned, but in that stretch, a team like Carolina, I think, is better than Detroit. I, I, you know, I, I really do. Even though Carolina, I don't think necessarily sniffs the playoffs in the NFC. Atlanta's going to be interesting. You say there's more meat on the bone. I, I don't know if I agree with you, Kev. I really don't. There might the be. I'm not telling wins. you there definitely is. There just Fair. might be. That's fine. That's There might be, right? But, like, the 2021 Falcons... With Matt Ryan a year older, with Julio Jones, who knows if his hamstring wants to allow him to play all the time. He's getting stretched out on the field. It yeah. looks like the end of Charles Barkley's NBA career, where he's getting back work done and is laying down on towels on the sideline. That's really what it looks like for Julio Jones. But I digress. We talked about the Detroit Lions, and if they are still live, there's another team in the NFC North that we have to acknowledge and accept is still live, and they play on Monday night. Night. Tonight, they are in Los Angeles. I'm talking about the 5-1 and one Chicago Bears who are in Los Angeles to take on the 4-2 yeah. Los Angeles Rams. This is a big game in the NFC, Kev. The winner of this game has to be considered a contender. Either the 6-1 and one Bears or the 5-2 and two Rams would have to be considered. Right now, though, at home, the Rams are six-point favorites. 44-and-a-half is their total. What is the lead? indicator here what is the factor you're going to be looking at in this game when you're you know looking at it live in the live game markets what do you want to see here in this game for each team it's a good question i think thank you the reason why we struggle with these teams because i would like to argue to you that they both already yeah. got enough to say that they're contenders right okay. five and one you know four i don't and believe two. In the bears but yes yes well here's why you don't believe in the bears and people also don't believe in the rams Who's the top class the NFC? Brady, Rodgers, Russ, Breeze. Sure. Nobody trusts sure. Foles. Nobody trusts Goff. So we enter this game 
Do you does, do you have to say I trust Goff more than Foles, Foles more than Goff, or is it I trust McVeigh to win the battle against Nagy? I trust the Bears defense to slow down the run game of the Rams. Right. Like the like, like, that's what makes this such an interesting game. I will say this. I don't know if the Rams are six points better here. Let's again say we're going three points for home field. Are the Rams three points better on a neutral field? I mean, goodness me. I don't know what the Bears are. I love Nick Foles. He came in electric factory right away against Atlanta. He was so terrible against the Colts. I was like, I'm sorry. I think Mitch might actually come back in. Then they beat the Bucks, but again in a preposterous fashion. And then they finally had like a nice, comfortable-ish ish win against the Panthers. The Rams, ish. you're hearing this nonstop. Four wins, all of them against the NFC East. I don't know what you want them to do that four of their first six games were against the NFC East. Like, would you rather them have lost one of those games? Like, the other two games were at Buffalo and at San Fran. Those are tough games. So, like, I don't know. What's up or down? What's heads or tails here? So, like, one thing that I think is interesting, Kev, you know, you're talking about, oh, no one will trust these quarterbacks. What I really want to see if I can trust moving forward are these teams' defenses, Kev. The Bears and the Rams only give up 19 points a game in a world where overs are reigning supreme, right? If one of these two teams could prove to me that their defense is something that will travel that I can rely on, I'd be a lot more comfortable talking about them as contenders in this very Mm -hmm. tight NFC. When we come back on the other side of the break, we'll talk props and other bets for Monday Night Football right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line. Wrapping up the show, we look back at a big-time week seven. We've got some still stuff to look at. I'm I want to learn more about these defenses, Kev. You know, the Bears' defense, in my opinion, is what will take them to the playoffs, right? Mr. Trubisky, Nick Foles, whatever. They need to be uh, a good-to-elite defense, in my opinion, for them to maintain as contenders. The Rams... They're in the toughest division in football, bro. And so this Rams defense, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and the boys have to actually help this offense. The Rams need to be fully balanced for them to make the promised land that they want to. What are you trusting in this game? What's your lean? What do you want the total? And do you like any props? I, you said you wanted to bounce some of those off me. Yeah, so let me, let me, let me throw some props at you here, Dane. So I've got five in total that I'm interested in. Uh, three of them very, very correlated. The crux of it is Jared Goff's passing yards. 245 and a half. Not a very big number for Goff. Uh, I went through the Bears. How often are they giving up that number? It's about even. I believe as much as the Rams love running the football, you look through it, they are at their best when Goff 
is rolling. Coming off of a game where he did not even hit 200 passing yards, I think we can see a bigger passing yards day for Jared Goff. So I then wanted to look at his top wide receivers of yep, both Cup staring at him and right Woods. Right? So Woods yep. is 59.5, Cup 60 and a half. 60. It is yep. difficult to choose which one. But if I like Goff to go over, can I get both of these guys to go over? So I looked through it. Six games on the year. Uh, we have had 0 for 3 in terms of these guys getting over these numbers once. That was last week. We had a 1 and 2 day which was oddly cup going over somehow. Goff missed, Woods missed. There has been two. Oh, all three of them. Okay. Yes. Playing all three of them. Playing There's been yep. two 3-0 and days. Obviously, that's the goal. And then there has been the rest of those days were 2-1. and one. Every single time Goff gets over his yards prop, you get at one least of one of Woods and Cup to go home. To come home, right? So I am looking at these three guys, love a clean sweep, and if Goff gets over, I feel like I get at least two and one. Um, listen, I like that, and I mentioned to you um, what I did with the New Orleans Saints without Manny Sanders, without Michael Thomas. I bet mm-hmm. both Traquan Smith and Jared Cook. Their numbers yeah. were both in the low 40s, right? What you're doing is similar, uh, but mm-hmm. at a higher level, right, with two actual wideouts. And what I was going to say to you is that's what I would do. I might, I might do both the wide receivers, but not Goff. Um, because I've seen Goff, I have seen Goff, and I don't know what the numbers would be like if it's just them. Um, when you had the two and one, the three and oh, the one and twos, I have mm-hmm. seen Goff throw for like two twenty, and still yes. it's Cup and Woods, you know. Because here's the other mm-hmm. thing: Tyler Higby has been kind of a. a Missing in action, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Gerald Edward gets involved. The kids like Josh Reynolds and Van Jefferson, some of the backs. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's where Goff would turn if this game is tight. Okay, and I believe the Bears' mm-hmm. defense is good, so you have to go to actually good players, right, when you're in yeah. that situation. my, Me personally, I like where you're going. My slight difference, I wouldn't play all three, but I do think I would play uh, Woods and Cup. Both to basically mm. get over 60, right? And to me, I think I'd like my chances there to go plus money. Obviously, the one to going one and one is live. Um, yeah. And there you might wind up slightly down. But I would go just both of them, either in the yards um, prop. I think they are both five and a half for catches for as well. I would do both yeah. wide receivers. I would not also do golf. I think that's interesting. You can also do it in a world where your unit structure, if you go with both receivers hitting, right, but say Goff misses, you could still make money. And that's why unit structure with this type of conversation is important. The other two props that I am taking a look at here, Bears props. David Montgomery rushing yards is 56.5. He is the lead back here. I don't think this game is a blowout. And the... The the Rams have given up a bunch of good rushing days on the year. It's this weird thing. Aaron Donald's there. It doesn't matter. They give up rush yards because he gets after the quarterback a ton. It's a low number. Um, maybe the rushing plus receiving is the way to go. If it does get out of hand, I know you're big on the scrimmage idea. yards. Oh, okay. Go ahead. 
I was just going to throw in the other Bears prop, and then you can take it wherever you'd like. The other one I'm looking at, I know this could be risky business here. Allen Robinson, 72.5. The counter is Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey shut down Terry McLaurin, but Amari Cooper got there. There's still Ben Yardage had on his watch. The reason why I think we can get there, and it does show I am leaning on the Rams, in a game script that leads to throwing, he's going to be targeted 13 times, give or take. Now, maybe I should just take the catches, but I don't like taking over receptions and not over yards. Of all of these, the Robinson one is the one I'm certainly the most on the fence about. Yeah, I'd be scared of the Robinson one, too. You mentioned Jalen Ramsey. I would have to go check. Remember, Jalen Ramsey and Allen Robinson were teammates in Jacksonville in an environment that was not a healthy locker room. Let's just say that. So I wonder uh, if there's any extra stank on that matchup for either one of them. Here's a way to go back to your original thought with the Rams. Tell me if you buy this, Kev. Here's a way to play it where if you go one and one, you make money. Uh, Cooper Cup plus 175 anytime touchdown. Robert Woods plus 160 anytime touchdown. If either one of them get in, you technically mm. win money on that bet, right? Like we talked about that, covering two of them at the plus 175 level. It's ironic to me that Josh Reynolds is at the same level as Woods and Cup, but that might be the way I go. Get Woods and Cup to go in the end zone, and if only one of them does, technically you're in plus money real quick. You buy that? Yeah, I, I don't mind that at all. Uh, I'm just trying to take a look here where the overlaps are. How many weeks have they both scored? And actually, you, you know, oddly, you don't want that. Um, but yeah, they they both scored against Buffalo, uh, and then you had a couple of weeks where neither got in. Hundred percent though, uh, yeah. and that's where you can back both of them. You don't need two and zero. Two and zero is great. That's but right. one and one, one, one gets you still plus winning. money there. 100%. Yeah, so you know, with the going both of them with the prop bets, if it's minus yeah. one ten, or FanDuel does minus one thirteen at times at both sides, which is intriguing on yeah. the prop bets. I don't know if you've seen that. Getting just a little extra juice Why there. Is Our guy John Sheeran. At good question. Um, but that may be the way I skin the cat. But we will talk about it. Listen, Kev, either the Bears tomorrow morning, right, at like seven oh three, either the Bears are gonna be six and one. Or the Rams in that division are going to be 5-2, and two, and that is very interesting. The only thing that may push that from our lead story is the idea that we will have Game 6 of the World Series tomorrow. So we should talk about that. The Dodgers are now up uh, three games to two, right? We haven't talked since, you know, because these games were going on during the weekend. So I will ask you holistically, Kev, before we touch Game 6, since we last talked on Friday... What are your thoughts on this series? I mean, we got a 3-2 series. So, by the way, remember when I said I would cover just like I would cover Woods and Cup, both at, like, plus money? Remember how we said we could cover six games and seven games in this series? Well, you will have officially been a winner if you did that and followed us here on the early line. What would you take away from the weekend's action in the World Series, Kev? Yeah, I thought that the Rays won one of the best baseball games I've ever seen. Um, yeah, right. It was just Crawling exciting. It was all out of this world. 
I think it's fair to say they saved their World Series hopes in that moment, uh, especially when you consider the Dodgers won Game 5, where they would have had a 3-1 lead. Of course, things, you know, butterfly effect. Does it play out differently? Maybe. But, you know, Kershaw looked good. And you go back and even to the game where, you know, Kershaw looked good. The one thing you notice about the Rays, and I think it's really now extended because of what happened in Game 4, but it was there before then. In the same way that when the Dodgers are down, at no point are you like, oh, this team's done. The Rays have that same vibe. You're like, oh, boy. Yeah. Is that a runner on? Here come the Rays. And that was the thing that I felt coming into this series. I had learned more about the Rays, and I've given them more of their respect. Are the Dodgers the best team in baseball? Yes. But these are the two best teams in baseball. And these teams are closer than I would have thought before the postseason started. Yeah, listen, I agree with you. You know, you've been talking about this as they're, they're a 41 team. You took off your pinstripe colored glasses, right? A lot of people yeah. did think not only were the Rays part of the class of Major League Baseball, but that they were built to handle the coronavirus season, right? So much depth in the bullpen. So many kids in their taxi squad that they can bring mm-hmm. in. A style of play, you know. So the fact that they are there, and listen, on its face, Kev, if I tell you that the World Series goes at least six games, you're like, cool, sign me up. I'm going to see something cool. And we will see that game six tomorrow. Here's what I want to ask you about game six that we're going to see tomorrow, Kev. We have um, a repeat of game two, right? Snell and Gonsolin. And so when I look at, remember how in game two, when the total was only eight, we were like, oh, wait a second. We got to go over. Well, guess what, Kev? In game six, the total is eight. What do you know? And what we do have is Gonsolin and the Dodgers as minus 142 favorites. Snell and the Rays coming back at plus money, plus 124. I know the total was the same at eight. Was Gonsolin a minus 140 favorite in game two? Or has that moved since we've seen the series, right? Because... I, I would have in game two been riding Snell at plus one twenty four. Why are we? Why would we not do it again in game six? Is anything that the book is hanging for game six uh, different enough from game two? And then, given what you've seen, does that give you any lean or any cause? The fact that we're getting another eight total after game two zoomed over the number is interesting to me. Yeah, I don't think they can move this stuff too much. Realistically, our game five was the first game that did go under uh, because of a Rosa Reina's garbage time home run off Kenley Jansen right. in game three. Uh, I believe that was the Snell yeah, thing is interesting, man. He was he was almost perfect to start that game, perfect, but only for like four and, and a third. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then they just were like, hey, on your way out, just know we're waiting till we see you again, pal. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of that. Oh, boy. But they hit Gonsolin right away, too. So it's hard not to touch that over eight. It is shaded minus 118. We talk about watch for the hook. Uh, I would not be surprised if tomorrow we see that as eight and a half uh, when we're really mm. breaking down that game. I will just throw out there the one thing that you know I'm always going to throw out there. We're hedging off the series numbers. If you like the Tampa Bay Rays at plus 124, please, please, please make sure you get a piece of them to win the World Series at plus 430. Because that number will be cut down to whatever the heck they are to win the game in Game 7. 
plus right, 170. Right, right. So get yeah. yourself some of that. Um, I also want to say, and I'm not questioning him, but Dave Roberts taking a chance not going to Walker Bueller in game six. This is interesting, and that's what I was going to also mention. You know, it looks like the Rays and the Dodgers will have Morton and Bueller ready to go for Game 7. But now, after this off day, I think there's going to be a quick hook today. At Gonsolin, they're going to go to May. They're going to do it the same way they did, and they will blow out the tank. And then if need be in Game 7, they'll say, Morton or Bueller, you pitch us nine innings and win a title. How they manage the bullpens tomorrow in Game 6 is going to be very, very interesting. When we come back, we tie a bow on this episode, and we tip our cap to one of the best of all time when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge, putting the fun and functional sports content at the same time, the spitting statistician and the candle burner. And Kev, we talk MMA, we talk the fight game here a lot. There was a huge card, UFC 254, on Saturday afternoon, and it ended with Khabib winning in the second round, choking Justin Gaethje out, and then in his post-fight, you know, kind of interview, walking away from the sport at 29 and 0 here at the early line, we tip our cap to Khabib Nurmagomedov, a great way to go out. It's very odd that an athlete gets to go out on top like that, and he Mm -hmm. has as valid reason as anybody I've ever heard. Yeah, it's actually a really heartbreaking story. Uh, Khabib did not want to walk away from the fight game. He really wanted to at least get to 30-0. and 0. Uh, Unfortunately, his father, who he was incredibly close to and uh, you know was with him the whole way through this journey, passed away. Um, the Gaethje fight, I believe, was the only fight where his father was not with him. And clearly you could see when the fight ended, that took its toll on him. So Khabib walking away... At the top of this game, not really wanting to have to do so under those circumstances is heartbreaking. There is, there's no other word to describe it. Nothing but respect for him. Um, he is maybe the greatest fighter of all time. Not just you know pound for pound right now. I mean, he might be the all-time greatest that has ever put on a pair of eight-ounce gloves. And as far as the fight goes. You know, I was waiting to hear that Justin Gaethje had like a broken back or uh, his mm. heel was, I don't, like he looked shot. Like he didn't look okay. And then it came out that Khabib broke his foot like weeks before the fight. So, like it was right. Khabib <laughs> In training, who wasn't yeah. healthy. And he, and he put on shoot maybe his best. He needed to, right? Like, and Khabib maybe put on the best performance of his career uh, against, you know, a guy in Justin Gaethje. Listen. I was on here Friday saying had, you know, a, a legit shot as any. Just a, an, all, an all-time, all-time great and... You know, it's unfortunate to see him go. I would have loved to see him and Connor exchange it one more time, but Khabib goes out, maybe the best ever. Yeah, absolutely. So here at the early line, we tip our cap to Khabib Nurmagomedov, obviously one of the best of all time, leaving the UFC undefeated. Whatever happens for the UFC, we will cover it as they try to crown a new champion, and we'll be back here tomorrow. Morning After is up next right here on Sports Grid. Have a great day, everybody. 
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com.